You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. that keeps coming to mind that will help us to be prepared. There's a phrase that keeps coming to mind to help us to be prepared. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. Abide in me. Not only are we to abide in Jesus Christ, but we are to remain in him. We are to remain in him. The whole purpose is to bear fruit and fruit that lasts. Jesus warns his followers that on this earth, you'll experience troubles. Life as a believer in Christ will not always be easy. But as Pastor Dave teaches today, you're not alone. God is with you and has given you the answer to surviving and thriving this life. Abide with, cling to Jesus. In all things, hold on to and trust Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 21 as he begins his message, Witness. turn into your Bibles to the very last two verses in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. I'm going to read 20 down. Let's read 20 down through 25 today. Verse 20, chapter 21. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So I want to begin by telling you a great story that I heard the other day about a student who was totally unprepared for the final exam in ornithology, which happens to be the study of birds. It was an extremely tough class. The professor was well known for being a stickler, a real character, the kind of professor who likes to make his classes as difficult as possible. Well, the final exam was coming, and this One particular student thought that he was well-prepared. But if you ever had a professor like this one, you know that you can never really be prepared. Because out of the blue, something can come your way that flattens you. Something that you're totally unprepared for. Well, on the day of the final exam, the student walked into the classroom and he looked around 
He didn't see any of those blue books that you write your final exams in. He didn't see any of that. He didn't see any questions on the whiteboard. Scratched his head. There was nothing around. Instead, all he saw around the room were 25 pictures of birds' feet. Just feet. Nothing else. Scratched his head. He had no idea what was happening. After the rest of the class arrived, the professor stood up and said, for your final exam today, you have to identify the 25 species of birds by looking at their feet only. The student went ballistic. He stood up and screamed at the professor, calling him crazy if he thought that they could name the birds just by looking at the pictures of their feet. The professor looked at him in the class and said, you have to do this. The student came back and said, nobody can pass this test. The professor said, well, that's too bad. This is your final. That's not fair. That's not fair, and I'm not going to take it. One student said, you have to take it. The professor was stunned, and he demanded, you're the student. I'm the professor. You have to take this damn, or I will flunk you. The student snapped back, I'm not taking it, that's fine, go ahead and flunk me. The professor looked at the student and said, okay, you fail, what's your name? Quickly, the student looked at the professor indignantly, took off his Susan socks, rolled up his pant legs, lifted up his feet toward the teacher and said, I don't know, you tell me. You know, when we prepare for a test, when we prepare for a test, or a difficult season in our lives, it can be tricky. You plan, you prepare, but you're never really ready until it hits. You really know if you're ready. And then here it comes. You know, sometimes things happen that catch us off guard, catch us by surprise, and we're totally, totally unprepared. None of us, none of us, were prepared for this coronavirus. None of us were prepared for what this thing did, not only to our church, to our community, to our state, but to the world. None of us were prepared for this. Lockdowns, people getting sick, people dying, schools are closed, non-essential school businesses, churches, all those kind of things, everything. Nobody was prepared for social distancing. Nobody was prepared for six feet apart, mask, isolation, hoarding toilet paper, a shortage of paper towels, hand sanitizer. And how do you prepare for something like this? Or if that matter, how do you prepare for any trial, any affliction, or anything that comes along your way? That's what the Gospel of John has been all about. Go back 2,000 years when John penned this beautiful, beautiful scripture. And as we study the gospel of John, as Jesus chose the 12 guys to follow him and simply said to them, follow me. Approximately three and a half years transpired. And he prepared them for what was coming. He prepared them for what was going to happen to them and to him. And as he drew ever closer to the cross, he felt that they needed more preparing. He felt that they hadn't been prepared enough. So 
what he does then is he directs all his attention towards his disciples. And as time was closing in, he really began to concentrate on preparing his disciples for what was ahead. He knew they were not prepared. He even told them they would have trouble. He even told them, as we read in John 16, 35, when Jesus said to them in 33, actually, these things I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He told them that they were going to have trouble. They were going to have tribulation. He told them to expect it. Going through tribulation is a promise nobody wants to claim. As we always say, you don't have that on your refrigerator. But it's a promise, nonetheless. It was a reality, not only to the disciples, but it's a reality to us too, that we need to be prepared for. And notice that Jesus told them exactly how to overcome the tribulation, how to overcome the world. He said, in me you'll have peace. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So if we're in him, we are overcomers. And that's what it says. So there came a point when Jesus turned all his attention to the disciples, to preparing them for the final exam, so to speak. After that glorious supper, after the washing of the feet, the identification of the, of the, of the one who would betray him, and, and all the Peter's not going to deny him, and all those things that went on, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm going away. You can't come right now, but you'll come later. But don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. And he gives them a reason. You believe in God. Believe in me. He says, have faith. Have faith in me. Have faith and trust in me. Because if I go, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to take you with me. and You're going to be where I will be forever. Me, you, and the Father. And you know what? When I go, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you and carry you into the work that I started and you're going to complete it. The disciples were being prepared for the difficulties that they would face. The disciples were being prepared for what was ahead. Jesus knew what they would face and what would come at them and what was going to happen. They needed to be prepared. He wanted them to be witnesses of him. He wanted them to be witnesses of him. Why? So that the kingdom would grow and more people would come in and more people would be saved. They needed to be his witnesses. We need to be his witnesses. We need to be prepared. We need to look at that. Now, witness is a key word. In fact, John uses it about 47 times. Witness. The Greek word, martos. We get the word martyr from. I mean, a word that we all shy away from. Martyr. Wait a minute. I read the book, The Voice of the Martyrs. I don't want to be any part of that. But that's what a witness is. Someone who gives a record. Or, or gives testimony, who, who shares the love of Jesus Christ. That's a witness. So John followed Jesus, yes, on that first day that he was called. And he witnessed these events. And then when being led by the Holy Spirit, he wrote them down. Spoiler alert, during 
the chosen. Jesus tells the guys to keep their tablets with them. And all through the episodes, you see them writing down Jesus' saying. And this makes sense. This makes sense. And then by the Holy Spirit, they lead, they write down. We have this beautiful gospel. So now what do we have? We have the word written right here before us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. John was an eyewitness to all these events. He was there. He wrote these things down that he saw, that he saw and heard. He was there. He wrote these things. And then inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote them out in the present that we now have them. So the answer to the question, what do we do to be prepared and how do we do this, is to look into the Gospel of John, which is what we've been studying. There are practical steps in here that we can use to help us to be ready for the inevitable trials. Inevitable trials. For the afflictions, for the persecutions, for the next round of whatever that comes our way. And in the midst of that, be a witness for Jesus Christ. As we study through the gospel record, there's a phrase that keeps coming to mind that will help us to be prepared. There's a phrase that keeps coming to mind to help us to be prepared. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. Abide in me. Not only are we to abide in Jesus Christ, but we are to remain in him. We are to remain in him. The whole purpose is to bear fruit, and fruit that lasts. As we witness Jesus' love, people are attracted to him. And they seek him, and they find him. And this becomes fruit, and they accept his love. They accept his sacrifice on the cross, and this becomes fruit. We are the branches, and a branch cannot bear fruit in and of itself, except we abide in the vine. You are branches. And in and of ourselves, we don't bring forth fruit. And this is what God is interested in. He's interested in fruit, not fleshly fruit. He doesn't want works of the flesh. He doesn't want that type of fruit. Many, many times, we think that the flesh will be recognized by God. It will not. God will not recognize anything done in the flesh. Jesus clearly says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What is he saying? The fruit that you produce must be produced by the Spirit. It must come from the Spirit. There's nothing of value in the eyes of Father apart from that which is done while abiding in Christ. My righteousness, filthy rags, doesn't make it. We must realize that it is the life of Christ flowing through us by the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit the Father's looking for. It's the Holy Spirit in us pouring out onto those we come in contact with that produces that fruit, lasting fruit. And we want to we bear lasting fruit. And to do this, we must constantly abide in Jesus Christ. We must constantly remain in him. Every follower of Jesus Christ can prepare himself or herself for the future trouble that's coming. We can prepare ourselves if we never see ourselves separated from him or his love. 
And since we're talking about chapter 15, I think it's probably my most favorite chapter of the book. Because in it, Jesus reveals the secret, if you will, to be prepared for whatever trouble comes our way, including this coronavirus. If we remain in Christ, we will be forever ready. The word used in the New King James is abide, which can be translated dwell. To dwell with. To dwell is one of John's favorite words. He uses it 40 times in his gospel, and in a couple weeks you're going to find out that he uses it again in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and then he also uses it again in the book of Revelation. It's his favorite word sometimes. Simply put, what does it mean? It means to stay put. It means to be steadfast. It means to hold on no matter what. It means to hang on, cling to, catch on to Jesus Christ. Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us today that the secret for being prepared for whatever comes is found in our total dependence upon him, Jesus Christ. Don't depend upon the world. Don't depend upon the government. Don't depend upon any other person, place, or thing. Don't put your hope in anyone else except Jesus Christ. And you know, we don't depend on that. We place all our trust in, we place all our hope in the one who is able to handle anything that is supposed to come to our way. David understood this. David knew this all too well because in Psalm 20, verse 7, he wrote these famous words. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. David knew from whence his help came from. David knew where to place his faith, where to put his trust, where to put his hope, and his hope was always in the Lord our God. How do we live a life dependent upon Jesus Christ? How do we be witness in these coming days, these coming years, if the Lord tarries? I've come up with four practical ways that we can grow in our ability to depend upon Jesus. Four ways. Number one, trust in Jesus' word. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Abide in me. Abide in Jesus' words. How do we abide in Jesus' word? What is the key to this particular practical way to prepare ourselves? Reading God's word. Studying God's word. Being in fellowship. Listening to tapes. Listening to praiseworthy. Listening to music. Getting close to God. Being one with him in prayer. Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more I grow in the knowledge of Jesus, the more I am prepared for what life brings me. The more I am in love with my Savior, and the more one I come with him. Make it a habit. Make it a habit of getting into God's word. Paul says, I had to disciple myself. I had to discipline myself. It's a habit. Something we do every day. Whether it be in the morning, noon, in the evening. Set aside some day and visit with him on a regular basis. Read the scriptures. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through the scriptures. Sit before him and listen to him. And he'll show you how to apply the scriptures to your life. There are so many different reading plans available. 
But the problem with the reading plan is what happens when you miss a day? You have all these beautiful reading plans. You miss a day, and all of a sudden you get freaked out. What's going on? Oh, my gosh, I miss a day. I'm a horrible person. Don't get legalistic. Don't get legalistic on yourself. You're going to miss a day every now and then. These, these things are hard to do. As we read and study God's word, we become familiar with his will for our lives. We'll be able to better pray. We'll be able to apply these things to our lives easier, and we'll be able to act accordingly. And in this verse, Jesus brings up the subject of prayer. And in the subject of prayer, he says there's a very, very broad promise. You will ask, and whatever, it'll be done for you. Who's he telling that to? Who's he saying that to? Who's he saying, whatever you ask, you will have in my name. Whatever you, who's he saying that to? He's saying that to those who are abiding in him. He's saying to those who are abiding him through the word of God and abiding in him and knowing him. He said, if you abide in me and my words in you, under these conditions, if you ask, it will be given. So trust in Jesus' words. Get close to God through his word. Number two, love one another. 1512, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. None of us can do life alone, folks. It's not an isolation thing, although they've made it isolating. Notice how Satan got in the middle of this and caused us all to be apart from each other, caused us all not to be in fellowship with each other. Notice how he put his hand in here. God created us to need each other, to fellowship one another. What is fellowship? Fellowship is hanging out with each other, whether it be this way, whether it be on the phone, whether it be through letters right now, hanging out with each other. Like-minded people are disciples of Jesus Christ, those who have a hunger for his word and a passion to do his will. We want to hang out with those people. If you're hanging out with the old crowd, the old crowd's going to do the old things. But if you're hanging out with Christians, if you're hanging out with those who hunger and thirst for God, who want to do God's will, you're going to be led in the right way. You're going to be led in the right path. You need a passion for this. And fellowship provides us the right environment that pushes one another in love. Iron sharpens iron. And when I come up next to you and we talk, you sharpen me and I sharpen you and we move forward. You encourage me, I encourage you. You tell me the truth, I tell you the truth. We move forward together in oneness. And that's what fellowship's all about. Jesus commanded his disciples, he says, love one another, just do it. But then he says, as I have loved you. Whoa. And here we have this sacrificial love. This totally sacrificial love. True agape love. Remember when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, do you agape me? And Peter said, no, Lord, I phileo you. I can only love you with a brotherly love. Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. The same love that Jesus poured out on us, we need to pour out on others. We need to be pouring out on others, and that's going to bear fruit. People are going to see that love in you. They're going to want that love. What? Why do you love me so much? Why? In my, in my miserable state. Because Jesus loved me. You are a We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at AshoreHopeRadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.